These are the best is how we start this week's show. Hello, everyone. I'm Peter Dunn. Welcome to the Pete the Planner show. Joining me this week, two friends, two colleagues, two people sharing the screen on the live stream right now. Those people are Kristen Alanius, the queen of content, director of education at Your Money Line, and Damian Dunn, vice president of advice. Hello, Dame. Hello, folks. Did you, were you, you were muted during the intro. Taking a swig of your Diet Coke to start your day, weren't you? Yes. Kristen, Dame is on edge today. So uh, you predicted this could be a good show. I did. Maybe a little bit of an attitude, some snarky comments. Can you uh, promise me you won't poke the bear too much? Because I do want, I don't want to have to edit his words out of the radio uh, version of what we're doing here today. I make no promises. I will try my best, though. That thought right. actually crossed my mind earlier. It was, uh, do we have a dump button? Uh, how how much work am I going to put on Pete's plate if I slip and say some things I shouldn't say today? Please don't. See, this, Kristen, this is why I don't want you to poke him because I don't want to edit this. Uh, anyway, Kristen, it's been an eventful week for you. Uh, you're in the midst of buying a home. I am. That's uh, a thing. Stressful. So it is stressful. Segment number two, we're going to talk about why right now is probably the worst time to buy a home. Love it. Yep. Segment one, we're going to talk about, um, actually, no, that's segment That's segment one. We're actually, we're starting off the, about your giant mistakes you're making. <laughs> and then st- segment two, uh, we're going to talk about this surprise that's about to, to, to come around the corner for a bunch of college students and, uh, uh, rising seniors from the high school ranks, if you will, uh, because student loan interest rates are about to go up a lot and it's going to impact people rather badly. So we're going to talk about that. Oh, it's a very uplifting show. And then uh, people 55 to 60 are going back to work in droves. And we'll discuss that as well. Good morning to Chris and Daniel. Thanks for watching on Facebook live. Um. Dame, are you ready to go? I mean, you've got a busy day. Uh, I've got plenty of time. The queen of content's got plenty of time. But Dame, I know you are inundated today. So we will we'll be courteous to you and get started. There's nothing I would rather do than just sit on the radio all day today, actually. I much prefer that. So if somebody wants to take over what I'm supposed to do for the rest of the day, I'll happily hand that off. All right. See everybody. He's on edge. Let's get started uh, with the show. Kristen, do you know the uh, closest radio affiliate um, for you from where you live? There's an affiliate in Knox, I believe. That might be the closest. Mm -hmm. Dane, what do you think? Kendallville. Kendallville. Kendallville's closer? I think so. Or for you? Well, you know what? I'm I'm not entirely confident. I know how far Knox is from you, so you may be right. But I don't know if we have an affiliate there. Uh, we do. Hello, Danza. Good to be with you. Let's start the show in three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete and Pete the, at petetheplanner.com, and uh, we will answer your question. It should be a personal finance question in nature, and and uh, what we promise to do is to not try to sell you things in order to answer the question. We just answer the question by we. I mean a lot of people this week. Uh, joining me, uh, a return trip, Kristen Alanius, the Director of Education at Your Money Line, and Damian Dunn, Vice President of Advice. The Three Musketeers return. Hello, Kristen. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Hello, Edgy Dame. Good to be with you this week. We'll see about that. Dame's on edge, everybody. Be prepared. Dame, I was reading an article this week that said, uh, the housing market's about to get crazy, crazy rocky. We're, we're starting to see... Uh, home sales fall. We're starting to see interest rates go up significantly. And uh, we're about to see gas prices increase even further. Some reports that will reach $6 a gallon by August. All of these point things point to not only a recession, but also a really rough time to buy a home, which leads me to this, Kristen. Congrats on the new home you're in the midst of purchasing this week. <laughs> Thank you, Pete. I really appreciate that. Uh, you and I were talking before the show that, yeah, it is actually a, a rough time to to 
start to plan to buy a home. I do think people can squeak a purchase in here in the next month or so and, and probably be okay, honestly. Uh, but I think in the next six months is going to get pretty rough. Tell us about your experience. I mean, you live in the financial world. I trust your judgment more than just about anyone when it comes to personal finance. It made sense for you. You needed a place to live. It, it, it's what you did. Tell us the perspective uh, from the, on the home buying front. Like what is being talked about right now out there? So I was kind of between a rock and a hard place. I had to find some place to live. Like, don't get me wrong. Now is not the time that I wanted to be buying a house in a perfect world. But I think the thing that's most difficult right now is how different it feels to be on the outside of the housing market versus how it actually feels to be in it. Because I read articles about like, there's going to be this pullback and inventory is going to be going up. And as a buyer, that does not feel like reality at all. I feel you. I also don't have a lot of faith in the general public to make the best decisions about when is a good time to do this or that. It's almost like, you know, when, when there's like a trend in your area and then finally maybe a, a much older relative finds out about that trend and then you can collectively say something, Dame, like, well, that trend's over. You know, <laughs> do you think on some level what we're seeing are... Uh, the last few lemmings going off the cliff into the housing market. No offense, Kristen. <laughs> I, uh, I'm, <clears throat> I'm not sure if I'm not sure if that's the, the situation or not. As I think about the the overall environment for home buying, um, supply is rather limited for the houses that are out there. Interest rates, Pete. Uh, we've discussed this on the show before. The, the interest rates that you and I paid on our first houses were high. Are, we're high. I am, am well. I mean, yours was higher than mine because I think I was a couple of years behind you when you bought yours. But the reason the rates right now are reasonable, so I don't think it's interest rates that are really going to mess people up. If I had to guess, I think it's probably because we've all um, got our monthly cash flow going other places, and then to have to try and uh, adjust our. Uh, budgets based on the the higher mortgage payments maybe higher interest rates and taxes that come along with that uh that's where people are going to get hung out on a lot of this not that the uh the the interest rates or anything of that nature are, are really all that bad maybe the home price is a little inflated but it's just the fact that we have to re uh, allocate money dollars that we've got going other places and that's going to be really really tough especially as there continues to be a bigger draw and demand on our money for our you know gas prices groceries all that other stuff that we supposedly need to live uh it's going to be like make it tough Kristen, uh you know one thing you don't have to deal with you're not um upgrading homes right in the sense that you're not moving from a three percent mortgage to a five percent mortgage therefore you're purchasing less home in a rising market dame uh, and Kristen both, that's something I think is going to kill the housing market is that like for me, I have a two and a half percent mortgage. Uh, if for some reason I felt like I needed to move, am I going to double my mortgage rate and then get so much less house, less bang for the buck? That's why the housing market got so hot because interest rates kept falling and people kept getting more bang for the buck and it made sense. So Kristen, um, through that lens as a home buyer in the marketplace, how much did you take that into consideration? The 5% interest rates compared to, you know, three, three points less, not too long ago. Well, I'm, I think that last year that was something that I was preaching to one of my friends, like people can afford a lot more house right now. So I think that I've seen in my area in at the price points that I was looking at, at the sizes of houses that I was looking at, I think that's why that market is still so competitive is that there's still a, or a supply issue, rather, there's not enough supply for the demand. And I think the market is just as tight at some of those lower, more like reasonable price points. I, I think that's something to point out. Consumers with low credit scores are falling behind on payments for car loans, personal loans, and credit card, a sign that the healthiest consumer leading or lending environment on record in the U.S. is coming to an end. The share of subprime credit cards and personal loans that are at least 60 days late is rising faster than normal, according to Equifax and a report in the Wall Street Journal. Kristen, this is not a problem for you because, of course, you have amazing credit. But, Dame, this is the leading indicator of a recession. Always. 
yeah, I credit uh, credit usage and credit uh, you know maintenance is is starting to drop. We've got all these other costs coming uh, up alongside of it, and it's not just you know um, ancillary stuff that we're talking about. It's it's the everyday stuff that that people are buying weekly for for their lives. So as these needs compete for the dollars that we have, the few dollars that we have people are going to start picking and choosing what gets paid and what doesn't. And it's likely going to be, uh, you know, it's in a way to damage their credit because they're going to start, you know, missing payments here and missing payments there. And, you know, it's, it's an indicator of what's going to come. It's sad, but that's the situation we find ourselves in. Kristen, are you, uh, what's your big box store of choice? Are you a target Walmart or Meyer, or do you view there is a, there's a third choice or fourth choice in there for you? What's your choice? I mean, Walmart, just because I feel like the price point's the best, not because I enjoy going to Walmart. Sure. Dane, what's your box store of choice? None of them. I try and avoid all of them like the plague. Uh, we are a Target family. Uh, and on Wednesday, Target reported quarterly earnings that fell fall sh- far short of Wall Street's expectations. And their stock went down 25% after it says they have high costs, inventory woes, uh, and other types of concerns. Here's why I want to maybe end this segment as we talk about what is to come in the next six to 12 months in our economy. I think if there is a, a, a big purchase, like a big television or an appliance that you don't necessarily need, but you want to upgrade or a car for that matter, I might consider pumping the brakes uh, because I, I think even though that really hurts the growth aspects of our economy at this point you've got to look out for yourself and you've got to make good personal economy decisions like we did in 2020 without the stimulus that we received in 20 2021 that's the way you're going to survive this recession uh dame would you add anything to that no, I, I think that's very wise advice. Make sure that what you are buying uh, really is something that you need. Start to analyze each of those spends a little bit closer as we move into the the rest of the year. All right. Coming up after the break, Kristen has done a nice thing for us. Math. We will do math on the radio. Why the cost of college is about to go up. Well, it's quite obvious. Interest rates are going up and student loan interest rates are going up too. So when student loan forgiveness is all the hotness... Will it become more so as people realize it's more expensive to go to college than they even thought in the beginning? All that is next right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. We'll be right back. I like the we'll be right back. It's very antiquated, and it's more of a television thing. That's but I did it anyway. Uh, Kristen, you don't feel too beat up there, right? Oh, no. It's fine. You know, I guess I have to say uh, big box stores uh, of the three that you mentioned, I'd have to say Sam's Club because it's a tight into Walmart, but that's where I almost always buy my gas when I'm in Fort Wayne. So I, I guess technically Sam's Club wins slash Walmart. Uh, hello, Brian Pinkins. Welcome to the party. Good to see you. Um, what price point of gasoline actually affects your decision to go somewhere. Okay. I'm going to start with Kristen. Kristen, good morning, Rick Swink, bringing that big Rick energy as always. Um, Kristen, what price point of gasoline affects your, your habits? For the most part, it doesn't. All right. Because, hey. oh. because I'm not really going anywhere that far, right? Like town's just a few miles now to say that like, Hey, let's take a road trip. I'm not taking a road trip when gas is $4 a gallon. You're not going to Thelma and Louise it with Dame across <laughs> Northern Indiana. Not in my vehicle. I get like five <laughs> miles to the gallon. Are you kidding me? Kristen, you were also too young to <laughs> acknowledge and accept the glory that is a Thelma and Louise reference. It was a little lost on me. Like, yeah, I mean, I kind of get it, but I'm, Brad Pitt's not all in. the way there. Young, Bra- also- young Brad Pitt is in it. But you Brad Pitt is it. also old enough to be Kristen's grandfather. <laughs> nah. Uh, uh, Dame, how about you? I Subconsciously, I think it's already affecting me, to be perfectly honest. Because like, th- there'll be times when I think, oh, I should go do that. And then I'll come up with reasons not to do that. I was like, hey, I didn't have to drive anywhere and waste some money on gas. So I, I think I'm already started uh, down that path. I'm with you. I'm the same. You know, we're driving to Charleston at the end of July 
and right when gas is going to be six bucks a gallon, uh, mm-hmm. allegedly, reportedly. And I was doing the math this week. It's only, it's like $380 for the entire trip of, of gas, which had gas prices been normal, it would have been roughly half that. Still better than trying to buy a plane ticket right mm-hmm. now. Dame, let me tell you about the $1,200 plane ticket I purchased to Salt Lake City yesterday. That was, no. that was fun. Did you sit in first class? No, I, I, I'm not there. I have no class. It is, it is a lot. Charter plane? No, no, no. Just flying the friendly skies. Or you have like 50, 50 stops. Well, I'm, I'm trying <laughs> no, to figure no, out how you got. No, every, the prices are nuts. Um, all right, let's do the college segment. We're coming back in three, two, one. Back on the Pete, the planner show. Director of education here at Your Money Line is a nice woman by the name of Kristen Lanius, and she did a little research for us this week that suggests with rising interest rates, so will the rising student loans affect people. Kristen, the Fed rate for student loans, what was it or what is it now and what is it about to go to? Help us understand this and help us understand the impact. Sure. So there are different rates depending on if you're a dependent student, if you're undergrad, um, but the most common rate is the 3.73% for undergraduate dependent students who are taking unsubsidized or subsidized loans. Okay. So now the interesting thing about dependent, we, we could go on for two segments about the difference between a dependent and an independent student, but it is incredibly hard to get independent student status, mm-hmm. like if, for, for some good reasons, but it, it's, it's very hard to do that. So that's when we talk about dependent student, that's most of everyone. 3.73, you said, how long, about how long has it been that rate? Do you know? So over, I looked back historically and rates have been under 5% with the exception of the 2019 academic year for about a decade. So pretty low for a while. So 2019, it, it popped up, huh? Yeah. 2019 was, I have, I keep a spreadsheet because I'm like that. <laughs> 2019 was 5.05%. <laughs> Damn, I, there's a reason we, we love her. Mm-hmm. She uh, she likes spreadsheets too. Um, all right, so five point oh five. So where are they heading now? Where are we going? Four point nine nine. All right, four point nine nine, and that is set for the twenty twenty two twenty twenty three school year. Yeah, anything after July one. Okay, so you ran some numbers for us of like what mm-hmm. the impact uh, on a person's life might might be. Is it significant, or is that always in the eye of the beholder? Both. it's So it's hard because the undergraduate limit is actually much lower than people think that it is. So if you're a dependent student, you can take 27000 across a four-year degree. So or that's what it would be if you have a four-year degree because there's an annual limit and there's an aggregate limit. So it gets a little complicated. But by the time you repay on 10-year standard repayment, that interest rate increase would cost somewhere around $3,300. Okay. I mean, so not not awful, but it's uh, at the same time, it's still $3,300. On 27 grand. That's a, it's pretty, that's pretty sizable, I think. So the question that occurs to me, Dame, I don't know if you're here there too, but like, obviously if people cap out on the Fed uh, loans they can take in that regard, um, the interest rates on the other types of student loans they would take out must be rising too, and they could be rising more aggressively as well. Is that where your brain is going? Yeah, absolutely. I, Fed loans are going to uh, cover a, a chunk for most people, but there's still going to be a little outstanding. And whether or not they're going to be uh, you know, Parent PLUS loans or private loans, you know, those interest rates are going to be rising accordingly as well. And that's something that's you know may not impact just the student at that point. It's going to have impact on where those dollars go uh, that the parents could be potentially allocating to other needs, you know, paying off a mortgage and uh, making sure they're prepared for retirement by putting more money into their 401ks or IRAs or uh, whatever it needs to be. So these are going to be some some big, serious considerations that, frankly, I'm concerned that a lot of people will still just look at it and say, well, it's for college for my kid and I've, I've got to send them because that's that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, Kristen, it's the plus program interest rates that are so high, right? Yeah, they're usually a couple percentage points higher, give or take. But what will get you actually on those loans is that the loan origination fee is like 4%. 
what? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's really not even the interest. I mean, the interest rate's not great, but it's better than the private space. It's historically still pretty low, Mm -hmm. but the origination fee on a parent plus loan is like 4.2%. All right. Can you explain an origination fee as it relates here and throw some numbers in there so people understand what you're talking about? I didn't run any math, but basically whatever, if you take out $10,000, you're going to pay a 4% fee upfront on that 10 grand. And then you're going to start to pay interest on that loan. And plus loans aren't subsidized either. So that interest starts accruing right away. And you don't have a payment due while your child is in school. So that interest starts to accumulate and then our favorite thing here on the show is that that interest will capitalize after a period of forbearance, adding that interest back to principal. Not good. Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so here's the, here's where, here's my assertion, my hypothesis that this rise in interest rates will affect students. I think it will affect, affect parent borrowers more because the can is kicked further down the road. Uh, you know, a, a parent isn't going to be out of the parent plus loan situation for what the earliest one, 14 years. Is that the way you want to think about it? Yeah. And once your balance is over, I want to say it's 30 grand, maybe you, you can actually pick up extended repayment plans. So multi-generational student loan repayment. Yeah. Now to be fair, Parents could absolutely pay the interest on those loans while their students are still in school or their, yes. their kids are still in school. They could even make principal payments on those as well if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. So it's not like this is an unsolvable problem. It's just that most people will see, hey, I don't have to make payments on that. So I'm going to continue to you know, use my cash in other areas because things are kind of tight right now and I don't have to pay that. So I'll just worry about that in one to four years when junior graduates and and figure it out then. And that's going to be the big issue. Kristen, can I ask you a question I would normally ask you off air and ask that you not tell anyone that I ask you the question? You can. During this period of time in which people have not been paying on federal student loans, have people with parent plus loans had to pay during this time frame or were they suspended or were they set to zero as well? Um, I don't think they had to pay, but as I'm saying that out loud, I don't know why I'm questioning myself. I never question you other than to get an answer. I don't know. I don't know why. Like in my head, I'm I'm questioning myself. I'm having a little bit of imposter syndrome. So thanks for asking me that one on the air. I appreciate it. And, well, no, at this point, the show's really about fleshing out that uh, maybe you are the smartest one in the room. And that's yeah. what we're trying to do here. Kristen, don't worry. If you are wrong, we will get emails about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How dare you give advice about things you don't understand? <laughs> that's how every email starts to me, Dame. Uh, so... Dame, with uh, the inflationary environment, with the hiring issues that still exist, at what point in time do schools actually raise tuition and fees <laughs> back to that 6 to 7% annual inflation rate that they were doing uh, in the early 2000s? Because for, you know, for the last few years, they've sort of taken a break on that. You've had tuition freezes at several campuses across the country. You got to think that comes to an end, too. At some point, I think it has to, and that's where we're going to see some major shakeups. And we've already seen a lot of the smaller schools either struggle or outright fail and close their doors. And a lot of the major institutions and mid-major institutions are are doing okay so far. And because there's a reduced supply of, of college seats available, they're still seeing regular steady demand. And so I, I think they're doing okay, but as costs increase, they got to pass it on to somebody. And unless they can figure out a way to get into those endowment dollars to offset some of those costs, uh, which isn't as easy as a lot of people think it is, by the way, um, they're going to have to have to have those dollars come in from somewhere. And that means it's going to be students, parents, and the loans they can take out. Uh, Kristen, I was thinking this week how important it is for parents who have 529 college savings plans to use the age-based portfolios in times like these, because if you were full throttle and you have a kid going to school this fall, what your balance was last fall is much different what it's going to be this coming fall. And in some cases, depending on what you have saved, you're talking about an entire year's worth of tuition wiped off the map. Yep. Absolutely. You got to bring that risk tolerance down. Oh my gosh. Dame, had had that occurred to you that people are getting I just checked my 529 account balances. Don't uh, do that. Don't do that. I, I just, saw your face. I just did. 
No. Do you, do I'm not you checking do it? No, do you want to do it? I don't want to check. No, I checked my retirement account balance a couple of weeks ago, and I'm still recovering. Coming up after the break, <laughs> you know what else is recovering? The job market for people 55 and older. We'll talk about that next on the Pete the Planner show. The segue was so good. I mean, just so good. Dame, how bad? Not nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be, honestly. Not oh, near, yeah. not nearly as bad as what my retirement stuff is. Probably, they, well, you're in age-based portfolios, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, and they, I think they work pretty darn well, i got to be honest. I don't know how because it seems like there's been no safe place to hide in any of this mess, but uh, it's it's much higher than I thought it was going to be. So our kids are about the same age. Kristen, uh, these age-based portfolios within these college funds, what's interesting is like in, in really good years, like we've had a lot of recently, mm-hmm in the market, you know, you might cap out at 13, 15% while the market's getting 28, 32%. And, and you're like, Oh man, I should really crank it up. But to Dame's point now, did, did you do the, um, the, uh, portfolio for the last 12 months? Did you click that calculation? No, I just looked at the balances. I, I'll hang on. Oh, I'm going to look now. Oh, I don't want to do Why am I doing this? Cause it's fun. It's not. We're going to be note like here. I can just see the iTunes reviews or like guys just checking their investment balances and they wouldn't be wrong. So That's out of touch. We are out of touch. But you okay, know what? It's, it's not. I mean, okay. What yeah. is it? What's the number? I, I, I don't have a, a percentage. Maybe you do on yours, but I, oh, I do. I can they took it. it off. <laughs> they were getting too many phone calls. Hilarious. Okay. Hold on. I'm logging in. Oh, there we go. Okay. Um, okay, everyone, stand by. Everyone, stand by on the podcast and on the live stream, so I can check my kids' college fund balances. Oh, <laughs> my! We better get to soccer practice. I uh, I just received a uh, a text message uh, from Mrs. Advice. Yes. And she said, I'm feeling ill about 529s. Please don't say it on on the air. <laughs> All right. So by the way, my one-year return as of 519 2022 on my daughter's account, age-based mm-hmm. portfolio, she's 13, is minus 6%, which yeah, I'll take that. Eight. Yeah. 100%. I, will, I will take that. So let's look at Theodore's, though. Theodore is in the next age band. Yeah, I'd say only in one band lower. It's not going to be that much. Maybe minus 7 or 8. 7.23. All right, I feel okay now. But you know what? Compare that to your retirement portfolio. It might, I mean, I, I think I'm smacked 30% or so right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm 25. Oh. This is why I don't look. <laughs> no, it's what I mean. Yeah. Was that year to date or is that in the last year? Um, what, what I just told those, those no, 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 for your retirement. Um, I don't know. I 30 from the high point. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, what's weird though, and I have to admit it, I'm not scared about the market. It's never fun to watch thousand point swings, but, but I do have to say like, I have zero concern, zero inkling to be, to do anything about it because I've, this is not my first rodeo. I know how this works. Uh, I know that, February 19th to March 23rd of 2020, the market fell 34%. And 148 days later, it was at its pre-fall level. I don't think it's going to happen this time that way, but I do think it's just going to take you know more than a, no more than a couple of years. Yeah, a couple of months and you know, a few trillion dollars in stimulus. I mean, well, that'll fix anything. Here he goes. Edgy Dame. Edgy you Dame. Knew, he, he'd held it back. It's like he had some chamomile tea, tea or something. And then finally, he took a Red Bull, and he's like, ah, taxes. I'm wishing I had a Miguel. I, I think that'd be a really interesting experiment right now. You don't like coffee. I know, which makes it even crazier. You had a Miguel here when you were here last week, Kristen. I did. It was delicious. Oh, it's good. Yeah. It was good. And Pete and I had already had coffee at breakfast, so I was I was hopped up. It was yeah. good. Um. All right. So let's get after it. I, I actually love this news story. Uh, our coworker, Lisa, one of our financial guides, put it in. And I think there's a lot of positive news with it. And it's that uh, people 55 to 62 are going back to work at higher percentages uh, than they have in a long time. So let's do that in that segment, starting in three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Kristen, 
uh, director of education at your money line. I was looking at a, a uh, article the other day that our coworker uh, Lisa sent to us uh, that referenced that more people in their late fifties and early sixties are unretiring coming off the retiring uh, during the pandemic because they couldn't work, didn't want to work, were scared to work, didn't feel safe, all sorts of reasons. But that has flipped and they're coming back to the workplace. That's a good sign. Yeah, I think that having people come back to work, um, I mean, under 65, at, I personally, I think it's too a little early to retire anyway. So I like seeing that those employment numbers are up. Yeah, Dame, the numbers say nearly 64% of adults between the ages of 55 and 64 were working in April essentially the same rate as in February of 2020. That's a more complete recovery than any other age group. Yeah, think think about that. There were major job losses in, in all sorts of categories. The biggest category drop, okay, I'm going to give you the age ranges um, and you tell me what you think the biggest drop was from February of 2020 to April of 2020. Here are your choices. 55 to 64, 65 plus, 20 to 24, 25 to 34, 35 to 44, or 45 to 54. Uh, Kristen, I'll start with you. What do you think the biggest age band was for job loss? I almost want to say the mid 20 to early 30s because of kids and maybe having to have a parent at home. I don't know. Uh, that's a good guess. Dame, I know you haven't read this article because you refuse to read the New York Times. What? <laughs> what is your guess? It's actually, it was going to be either the early 20s or, or later half of the 20s for the same reason that Kristen gave. So okay. the, the answer is the younger 20s, 20 to 24, lost 30% of their jobs. 30 percent wow. from February of 2020 to April 2020. The next group, oddly enough, and this actually makes some sense, is 65 plus. About 20 percent of people lost their jobs if you were 65 plus. And, and by the way, let me I know we're doing guessing games and we're making little jokes here and there. Uh, we're not making light of the fact that people lost jobs and we're not making light of the fact that people who are more experienced, struggle to find work, please understand we're not that cold-hearted. We are just looking at the numbers here. But Dame, there is um, reason to be hopeful. The fact that so many people in that 55 to 64 age group not only coming back to work because of inflationary reasons, now with the market downturn, you, you see um, uh, sequence of return risk come into play. And hopefully they're getting good advice from financial advisors that say, Hey, go take some of that edge off mm -hmm. by getting some income. Yeah. It's really interesting that people that, that would have stepped out of the, the workforce, for whatever reason, whether they, they lost their job, whether they weren't comfortable being around uh, larger groups of people, they didn't feel safe at work, whatever the reason is, they've been living off of some of those assets that, that they have been accumulating over that time period. So hopefully they didn't take too much of a, a chunk out of that and they'll be able to add to it by re-entering the workforce and end up in a, an equal or better position in just a few years from now when, when everything stabilizes and then starts to recover. Yeah, Kristen, when you think about this, um, I, I certainly can think of some anecdotal stories of people I know that left the workforce in that age group and then have come back to open arms with that institutional knowledge they bring back to the table. In some instances, it's, it's not only just back into the job market in any old job, it's back to an employer of which they left when times were bad. Any exposure there for you or are um, my anecdotal stories the only one? I don't know that I have a lot of anecdotal stories, but I did want to tag on to something that Dame said, which is that if someone is re-entering the job market when the market's down and then potentially putting dollars into retirement, that's, I mean, that's a really great scenario for them as well, is if they were living off of some of those assets when, I mean, not that you can time the market, of course, but then re-entering um, and putting dollars back in at a lower cost point is advantageous long-term as well. Dame, I, I always uh, like to ask this question, but it also seems cold-hearted. 
in, in relation to what the market has just done in the last few months, when was the actual worst time to retire in the last mm. 12 months or so? Do you, I mean, and, and, and why is that a, a reasonable question to some degree? Um, I, in the last 12 months? Yeah. Uh, probably would have been last uh last fall would have been my guess uh but because after that we've just seen a, a pretty consistent erosion in the the value of portfolios since then and if you are dragging additional dollars out to live on what you had always planned on doing not only are you uh losing account value by consuming them for for living expenses but the market isn't being kind to you either and uh, the value of your shares is de decreasing as you go so if you need five thousand dollars to live off of a month you're gonna have to sell more of your investments to get that five thousand dollars a month uh, than you would have maybe 12 months prior 24 months prior so you're, you're getting it from both ends at that point yeah, that's tough. And, and I'm, I'm curious, Kristen, I know, you know, within the last 12 months, you've probably taken more cases than Dame has on the Your Money Line uh, hotline. Um, do you find people in the pre-retirement age group, 55 to 64, were you getting any crypto questions from those folks or were those primarily in the younger demographics? Usually in the younger demographics. Now, I will say that everyone is curious about crypto, I think. But I think the level of curiosity and like how likely they would be to actually act on purchasing crypto, I think that's a younger generation thing. That's Dame, anything you would add to that? No, I think I agree. She's uh, she's right. A lot of people are crypto curious, but the people who really jump in are going to be uh, in the younger demographics. Yeah. You know, a couple of weeks ago, maybe three, four weeks ago on the show, we talked about a retirement range as opposed to a retirement date, mm -hmm. you know, and in light of this conversation, um, part of that range can be a range to then give yourself the ability to decide to go back into the workforce, you know, of saying, hey, I'm going to retire. I'm retired, but I I'm going to make it OK over the next three years or four years to change my mind, I think that could take a lot of pressure off of a person, Dave. Yeah, if, if you look at retirement as not a, a, a permanent end to the or a permanent transition from one period of your life to the next and give yourself the flexibility to re-enter the job market, even if it's just part-time, uh, you are going to give yourself the ability to l decrease the demand on all the hard work that you did uh, up to that point by saving money and preparing for retirement by uh, d decreasing the demand that you have on those dollars. So even if it's just, um, you know, working a few hours a week to cover uh, food and gas in, in your, your household, uh, maybe it's more than a few hours now, but uh, if you can cover some of the costs that you have on a day-to-day month-to-month, uh, uh, case, then, then you are in much better shape by giving yourself permission to, to re-enter the workforce. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Uh, it, it's all right to assign a particular expense category to that supplemental income, whether it's retirement or second job for that matter. You know, uh, as the market or in the economy, I should say, recovered in the last 18 months or so, you did see people out there humping, getting a second job, trying to, to, to make up for lost time. Um, and hopefully they did the same thing, right? They assigned that income to a particular task as opposed to an overall higher income, which now would have them in trouble and unable to quit that second job. Kristen, are you seeing, just from a trends perspective of, of people who call the, that that second job idea there, are, or did people take on more second jobs in this time? I think so. And but I don't know if to the level that I would have liked, did I see specific assignment for those dollars? I think that there's still a disconnect there for a lot of people. And understandably, it's tough. Yeah, it is. So let's do this. Let's take a break. Coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week. I've got a doozy this week and more current events. The whole show has been current events, but we'll do even more. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the Pete the Planner Show. Is the biggest waste of money of the week going to be my condo? I would not do that to you. I think you made a good decision. But that would be, I feel like Dame wants me to do that. It'd be no. so good. No, I don't. Angry Dame. Angry him.
Payments on most Parent Plus loans are automatically suspended without interest through August 31st, 2022. That's what I thought. But I don't know why, as the words came out of my mouth, I just like, my brain fell out of my head as well. Nah. Makes for good radio. Like Dame said, if you were wrong, we would hear about it. Ask Pete at PethePlanner.com. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So I'm ready for uh, Dame. Did I steal all of your current events or do you have any nope. leftover? No, I, I got some. Do you have any guessing games for us this week? Yeah, I can, I can turn a couple into guessing games. I love a good guessing game. All right, let's start this show in three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner Show is the Volback Equator shirt. Climate change is creating wild temperature fluctuations across the planet. In order to design a shirt for the future, Volback... Is that how you pronounce it, Dame? V-O-L-L-E-B-A-K. Sure. Uh, Design a shirt for the future. Volback started at the equator, home to some of the hottest and most humid places on the planet. To build its equator shirt, it began with one of the lightest and softest fabrics in existence. A rare silk-like cotton from the Nile Delta. Then it added stretch, strength, UV protection, and buttons carved from corrozo nuts anchored to military tape. It comes engineered with the most advanced ventilation system the company has made. Using 18 concealed air vents built with laser cutting and super soft Italian mesh that you know who does a mesh real well, Dame? The Italians. The Italians. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that work together like built-in aircon. I, I think they mean air conditioning. The result is a phenomenally lightweight technical shirt that will work anywhere on Earth. It's available in black because, you know, when you're trying to stay cool, black, you definitely want to wear black and Temple of Doom edition. All right, Dame, how much is this shirt with Italian mesh and can withstand hot humid conditions how much do you think dame 249 okay 249 big rick swink comes in at 189 Kristen, what do you got 350 the answer is 345 dollars price is right rules sorry yep. Kristen. you lost come Kristen. on sorry rookie um so here's the here's the solution here of how you don't buy this shirt don't don't go to the don't go to the equator. You know, it's pretty simple. Like it's just like, by the way, your your plane flight to the equator's got to cost like seventeen thousand dollars right now. Don't go to the equator and buy buy this shirt with the Italian mesh. Just are, you know, are you are you telling me in Middle Indiana you haven't ever wished for a shirt that would feel like built in air conditioning? Okay, I do think that's a fair question, but I do because I do wear a lot of uh, uh, technical shirts that. Or have SPF, mm-hmm. so I don't have to slather on mayonnaise all over my arms every time I mm-hmm. go outside. I I think this is right up your alley, and maybe not the the black one. I think is ridiculous, but the Temple of Doom, I, I think, might it, have a place in your closet. It does say it works anywhere. It's not just for the equator, Pete. You know what? If I change my mind here, <laughs> the problem you- is it's it's got one of those like it doesn't have a real collar that flips over. It's got one of those. Um, no collar things mm. and it looks like i'm on sprockets or something cool peter yeah uh dane what's in the news this week earlier this week fidelity investments announced its 21st annual retiree health care cost estimate revealing that a 65 year old couple retiring this year 2022 year of lord and our savior uh <laughs> can expect to spend an average of three hundred thousand. Kristen. We, I saw the headline. It's like okay, three fifteen thousand dollars in healthcare and medical expenses. She, she said three. Tw- she said three twenty one. I, I was said over again. Prices right. I saw the headline. Bob and I Barker. Still lost. Yeah, uh, the twenty twenty two estimate for single retirees is one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for men and one hundred and sixty five thousand dollars for women. I will refrain from making the joke that is obvious to most people. Uh, 
Fidelity's estimate assumes both members of the couple uh, are enrolled in traditional Medicare, between which Medicare Part A and B covers expenses such as hospital stays, doctor visits and services, physical therapy, lab tests, and more. And then some Medicare Part D stuff. Pete, $315,000 in retirement. That's just another reason to go back into the workforce, if you ask me. And to contribute to a health savings account. And I remember when this study first came out, I, I'm that years old. I believe the first time it came out, it was $226,000. I, I just remember every year as we were sort of researching things, you just go look at that number every year. I think it started at 226. That's quite the increase. But I would note, all things considered, not to marginalize $315,000, but that's not that much of an increase over 226 some 10 years ago. Yeah, I. it seems like it should be higher than that. Right. But I... It's it, you're right. It feels weird to say that it doesn't seem like that much money, but it's really a lot of money. What else is in the news? Investors have rebuked two dozen major U.S. companies over executive pay at J.P. Morgan Chase and Intel. Investors owning roughly two thirds of shares didn't support pay plans at recent annual meetings. Coca-Cola barely won a majority with 50.5 percent of the vote. Historically, less than 90 percent support on these non-binding votes is unusual. And corporate governance always uh, analysts consider less than 70% a sign of significant investor dissatisfaction. So far, 23 S&P 500 companies have reported less than 70% support, uh, according to analysis of about 250 companies. Seven blue chips missed 70% for a second year in a row, including GE. The JP Morgan plan uh, was... $215 million or uh, it, was, it was a bunch. It, it was a lot. And the investors said, no, thank you. You know, uh, Kristen, have you ever rebuked an executive's pay? No. Uh, you're going to get the opportunity right now. All right, guys, I'm thinking about a massive pay increase <laughs> for, for you. me. Yeah. And uh, I, I want you all to vote on that. So, um, Dane, what say you? It's non-binding, right? It's non-binding. Then no. Kristen? Yes. Oh, 50% oh. fails again. <laughs> it's, it's too bad. Um, you know, I think in this economy, it's rather tone deaf to take a massive pay increase to shareholders. Like that is, it should be struck down on principle. I agree. Kristen, if there was an industry right now, seriously, Yes, I am asking a serious question. Yep. Think of an industry right now in which a CEO or a company, uh, all, all told, would be justified in asking for a pay increase. Can you think of a company and or industry? I think maybe the. I mean, the service industry has had a really hard time, but I don't think that that means that like CEOs right. deserve more than anybody else. So like, I don't know. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing It's like, well, you know, like Delta has been through a lot, right? but try giving with when, when there's pilot shortages and, mm -hmm. and all sorts of like, they don't even pay people to board the plane. <laughs> like, it's like, there's no way Dame. No, I, I don't think so. I, I think there's, there's gotta be some, read the room moments in a, in a lot of these businesses and just pay attention. Yeah, I agree. Other than personal finance CEOs, I agree. Dane, what else is in the news? Uh, K through 12 school districts in the U S haven't spent 93% of the $122 billion in COVID relief. They were awarded last year. The wall street journal reports and the country's second largest school district in LA hasn't spent a single dime of its $2.57 billion booster. The do you want me to continue or do you want to interject some thoughts? There? Well, I had a conversation about this this morning, actually, oh. in, a, in a meeting. Uh, it, it It is use it or lose it, y'all. Yep. It is use it or lose it. And what some school districts made the mistake of doing is that they use some of those funds to make purchases that are going to prove unsustainable Mm -hmm. Once those funds are gone, and then they're going to have to eliminate that program or purchase. In some instances, people were trying to either give uh, pay bumps or they were trying to do, you know, buy down benefits. So maybe they pay more for the health insurance of a teacher than they previously did. But then when these funds are gone and the clock 
strikes midnight, then a person's health insurance is going to drastically increase because of the poor decisions made around this. So, Dame, I'm a not surprised those funds haven't been used because I think so many school districts struggle to make good decisions around them. Yeah, I think infrastructure would have been the the key place to try and get the uh, get some of these these dollars spent. But construction has been an absolute nightmare the last couple of years, and trying to find uh, people to get those things taken care of probably was a lot harder than anticipated. Well, that's all we have time for this week on the show. Thanks to Kristen. Thanks to Dame. Send you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the Pete the Planner Show. Woo. So the same problems for the school districts as individuals was really the the summary point there, right? Like additional dollars, unsustainable levels of dollars, removal of those dollars, right? I mean... Yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way, but that's that's a... Yeah, yeah I mean, I, the, individual, the individual could have saved those dollars. There was no um, no impetus on on the individual to go out and spend them because That's they true. were theirs to keep the, the school districts don't yeah. have a choice. Either they're going to use them or they're going to lose them. I mean, they can apply for waivers, which I, I think there are a couple different uh, um, offices uh, that are, that are accepting those, those requests to extend like on a two year time period, those, those dollars that are there to be spent. But even then they've got to be smart about where they send, uh, spend them because like we said, you know, they can't just create these programs and then drop them two years later or make all these full-time hires and then say, we don't have the budget to, to maintain your, your job after you know, the, the funds dry up. So it's a really tricky situation. I, I, I think the obvious answer is infrastructure, but I, I don't know if there are other strings that are attached to the, the dollars that may prevent that too. Kristen, if I were to give you a housewarming gift... I'm going to give you some choices here. Okay. Okay. I'm prepared. Like a like a hardware store gift card, mm. a house plant, mm. or a bottle of booze. Can I can I throw a wrinkle in there that you that may change your uh, options, Pete? Sure. The community she lives in is a golf cart friendly community. Oh, I know. I know. She she has a golf cart now, though. Yeah, I do. I know, but you may, maybe a you know portable speaker or something that she can just jam out to tunes as she's driving her through town. All right. So, what's your answer, Kristen? Um. Well, the couple that shares the law with me—they're over sixty-five, and they were already like looking out the window <laughs> the other day when I was there. I think that they're really nervous about somebody young moving in. So maybe not the booze. Maybe a hardware store gift card. <laughs> I wasn't saying a keg to wheel up to your door. He was just yeah. like a little bottle. I mean, it's yeah, not, you, truck's you not gonna st- back, distributing trucks going to back up in your driveway and just you get the, the motorized platform down. I mean, I don't, I don't know how loud you drink, but I'm drinking. I'm <laughs> silent, crying, listening to REM like everybody else. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. Are you blasting Coldplay? Def Leppard. Okay. Well, you do do it different up there. Um, congrats yeah. on your new house. We're Thank excited you. for you. Uh, Dame, you make any big mistakes this week too? No, I'm just kidding. All right, everybody. That's all we have. Stay getting money.